Welcome to GB Mag Chats, where we answer the real questions international students have about living and studying in the UK. I'm Carrie Morrison, your host today, and we have Naimat Safari uh, talking to us about um, his story. So, hello, Naimat, lovely to have you here. Would you like to tell our listeners who you are and what you do? Thank you very much, Carrie. Yes, uh, and thank you very much for inviting me and letting me to speak up. I'm Naimat Zafri, I'm a shipping scholar from Afghanistan doing my master in governance developing public policy in the University of Sussex. I guess we're going to start with a very broad question. Like, growing up, what did education mean to you? Oh, education uh, means a lot to me. Education is uh, a light in darkness. Education is a key for any door of success. And it, I believe it's a, uh, it's a wealth and a power that empowers individual, and then that individual really enables others to serve. And, and then it's the best way of it is to respect others and, and to give what you have learned and give it to some to new generation, to others. And, you know, I, uh, I, for me, the value of education is very much important because it's not only that what I have learned, but also education have saved me, not only me, but my family. You see what's happening in Afghanistan. And today that I am in the UK, it's all because of the education. It's because of the scholarship I gained, because of that education degree that I'm doing. And it's, it saved me and saved my family. So I value education very much. Back when you were growing up in Afghanistan, was education that light for you during that time? Exactly, uh, Carrie. If you look my um, uh, story, um, uh, I applied uh, uh, to Shivling Scholarship in 2016. I, I keep applying in 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20. So continuously for five years, I couldn't make it. That, that, that shows, you know, my commitment for education. That shows my, you know, uh, eagerness that education is, is the only way for the development, better future for my people and my country. So I believed into it very strongly. That's why I was each and every year when I was getting the rejection from the Shivling Secretariat, which is obvious, you know, uh, some of them they pick and some of them they don't because of the application. I was, I was working on it every other year, you know, that what was the gap that I couldn't make it this year so that I was polishing it my application and then making more glory so that I make it. Because I, I had that intention and, and that belief that education is the only way where I want to reach in my, in my future, where I want to serve my country. Had you always wanted to study in the UK in particular with the Shevening Scholarship or was it just you got started on it and then it was a stubbornness like going for five years until you got it? Uh, no, no. Actually, uh, my intention was uh, from very beginning, uh, UK and the UK education system, uh, because a uh, the Shining has quite prestigious uh, name and scholarship in the country, and then you know you you very much know that that it's been um, Oxford education system, Cambridge education system, and top-notch universities in the UK. And then I have seen my huge number of friends who did their master or bachelor. Uh, and then the specific master through Shivming, I have seen a, a drastic change in them, you know, analytical understanding and the, the, the knowledge that they uh, brought from UK and then the, the contribution they were doing in a country that really inspired me that this is, okay, this is the only way I have to do it. And then the course that I choose was also really much into uh, where the area I was looking. And so that's why I, I, I said that, okay, education, and UK and through Shivning was the only means of it because I could not afford to come to financial 
um, uh, individual financial or private financial part of it. So it, uh, scholarship was the only way to, to get it. Yeah, can you tell us a bit more about the Shevening Scholarship? Like, how did you come across it? What exactly, what exactly is the scholarship for exactly? So Shevening Scholarship is, is basically for the world leaders who in, uh, have the dreams to do something in their home country. And Shevening Scholarship is, is awarded in 160 plus countries. And Afghanistan is also a member to it. And Afghanistan have benefited in the last 20 years, more than 200 Shevener have uh, been graduated and all our alumni of the Shivni. And it's every year. So every year, uh, individuals are applying for four questions, which is about leadership skills, networking, and future career plan and uh, study plan. So based on these four questions, you are essays is assessed in your choosing. And then you're going to the second stage of it, which is the interview. And then from interview, you apply for your uh, three uh, universities. And then out of which you pick the first one of anyone you pay. So that, that was how it was happening. So it's basically started in August, uh, August and then ends in November. And then I was applying for it every year. Um, 2017 was the year I applied. I couldn't make it 18. I couldn't make it 19. I, I made it to somehow to pass the interview, but I was in the reserve. And then I couldn't make it because um, there was no option for reserve. Uh, and then 2020, I couldn't make it. So 2021 was the year when I made it, and then uh, you, you see, you know, collapse happened. And then we couldn't make it. There was a big chaos happening. The visa was one of the issues. We could not make it because of um, embassy was closing down, and then they could not proceed. proceed. Our uh, visa administration issue was there. And then uh, we, we, we come up, and we approached media, we approached different people, and that worked. And then the UK um, Parliament asked the Prime Minister, and the Prime Minister and the government of the UK was so kind enough they they have given us, uh, you know, special approval for our visas, and we we were included into the evacuation plan of Kabul. Yeah, and I guess in the lead up to that, when you were applying for um, your student visa and for the scholarship, what was that like to also have the build up of what eventually was is currently happening in Afghanistan? Me, including all Afghans, are still in shock how that happened. It, it was all of a sudden. We, we didn't know how it will happen. Yes, we knew that there were a few things going on. You know, the peace talks were going on for a few uh, years. And then uh, the issues inside the government, outside the government was continuous things, you know. Uh, but, but there was no really right message to the nation that what will happen. And there was suddenly of a shock that we are still in a shock that how after 20 years with all the establishment, with all the you know, achievements and development, suddenly you know, we lost each and everything and the government collapsed. So I think um, that was uh, even at, at two or three days before, no one knew what will happen, how it will happen, including the president. Uh, so I, I think, no, the, our application was a very normal process uh, all the way to, to the beginning of August uh, until 6th of August when we received the letter from the ambassador of the UK in Kabul. Uh, he said that the program has been passed or deferred. So then we, we were still into it that, no, how come this is happening? We, even until the beginning of August, we didn't know that a collapse would happen. I suppose following that, what was... Because obviously we and probably all of our listeners will never know what it's like to have what you experienced to evacuate from such a horrible environment. Can you, are you able to describe 
what that was like and what happened and how it felt when you got on that plane to come to the UK? I said it uh, several times that it was a horror movie. You were facing a, a huge number of people. First, it was not, not clear whether, whether you would make it or not. But then you got the news in such chaotic situation, the collapse is happening. You see it like for me, individual, for me was okay, four years of struggle. And then finally, the fifth year you made it. And then, and then you were just at the peak of it, about to get your visa and, and go. And then say, say a proper goodbye at the airport and, and from your beloved one and, and get in and go your studies. But suddenly all collapsed down. Uh, scholarship, the state, the government, each and everything, the dreams. The dream. So it was not only the scholarship, but it was the dreams into it. And it was very difficult. And then you were again fighting back to make it happen. But yes, it was a rights, you know, the rights for education. And that's what I said. Our voice, when it was heard by UK people, by the government, and in an entire people globe, uh, uh, it was because we, we had intention and the intention was right. We were asking for our rights and the right for education. Because we were the people who made it to the last stage of interview, application, everything. And, and, and then we were asking for our rights to, to do the study. And we got it. But then it was very difficult to go to, to the place where airport is blocked. There's no way to airport. There's only way to cross 20, 25,000 people with your family members, small children. I had a child who was 18 months on that time. So, you, imagine, you know, and, and, and then four children, you know, coming through, crossing 20,000, 25,000 people, the people who wants to be ahead than you, who don't want to let you go through. It was a very challenging situation. I made it um, twice the attempt, the whole day, 23rd, I was there, 23rd of August, I couldn't make it. On 24th of August, uh, I, I made it at the end of the day with all four or five, three to four hours of struggle. Uh, you know, um, halt, move, stop, but but we made it finally. And then the decision, you know, that made it carry was, it was, I come to know the learning part of my lifetime was individually, no one can do it. It is, if it is any situation of your life, individual, the climate change, global warming, whatever, whatever, it's, it's a collective. You have to do it with the, with the people and collectively and together, unity, harmonizing that these are the things you can do it and then i saw that one of my uh evening uh, one of our evening alumni uh, he tried it and then he tried 18 hours and he couldn't make it he came back and then i tried by myself individual wanted to see how it's possible to find the right way to profit because we had families with ourselves children elder age and female so then I came back and I, I suggest to the team that we are there that it's the only way that we make a chain of hands together. And in between of the chain, the young will be younger and the, the strong will be the chain, connected chain. And in between the chain, we'll have older age, younger children and a female inside. So that's the only way we make a move and then, and then find our way and reach where the UK soldier was standing there and waiting for us. That was the only way. And in between, you know, there was a huge move of the people coming toward me. I, I, I remember at one time, I, I thought that I made the biggest mistake of my life, you know, risking my family into it. Because I saw a huge number of um, 10 to 15 boys were on my shoulders trying to, you know, because they want to break the, the chain. And we don't want it because if you, had, if you would have break the chain, we would have lost somewhere here, there. And it was very difficult. 
And then uh, when I saw my daughter, my elder daughter, uh, she was screaming. She couldn't control. She had a breathing issue with, and then uh, crowded. And then she was screaming very badly. And I took her up on my shoulder. So you see, she's, uh, she's nine and a half and then more than 20 kg. I was carrying her for more than one and a half hour, 20 kg on my shoulder. Uh, it was a difficult time. It was very, very difficult time, I think. It, it could be, I could say it was more than a horror movie I have seen in my whole life. And it was still in my, we, we see it in our dreams, bad days. But finally, we made it. The good part of it is we made it. The UK soldier who was standing up there on the other side of it, he very warmly welcomed us. And then uh, all the way coming from Kabul, charge the affair, he welcomed us there in a camp when we were in Kabul. And then at the airport, uh, at the London, at, at Brighton, People, when they saw us, they come to know that we are from Afghanistan. And then they were giving us very sympathetic uh, messages and uh, what's happening back in the country and giving us a very beautiful smile and a welcome, which, which you know, this is something, it gives you hope and it gives you, you know, a good feeling. As I said, we, we can't imagine what it would be like experiencing that more than a horror film, as you described. So, like, getting off that plane and... Being in the UK, I'm assuming the very abrupt change of weather. How did that moment feel? I think it was a very happy moment, honestly speaking, for all of us. We were in a plane. We couldn't believe we made it to Heathrow Airport and, and in London. And then, but when a shocking was, you know, Kerry, uh, we, we came on 24th, late 24th. And then on 25th, it was the time we were just, uh, you know, uh, sleeping and then was not so well. But on 26th, uh, Kerry, um, you know, a blast happened on that area uh, where we crossed. So I was then more into shock, imagining that, okay, had I made a small mistake of uh, not being on time there, had I made, a, you know, had we made, oh, let's go tomorrow, we might have been there. And then on the way, on the way, since I walked back uh, with the media in the country, so I knew uh, when I was walking and I was stopping, I was asking people how long it has been that you're staying here. And I saw families, they were staying there for four or five days. And I told them that it's been four or five days. Why don't you go back? Or do you have documents? Few of them, a huge number of them were without documents. And, and a huge, some others were with, with documents as well. They said, no, until we don't make it, we will not leave this place. So you see, and then until they don't make it, it was a blast. And that that faces are in your mind. And, um, and then that pool that we cross or that small alleyway that we cross through, that was full of blood. So that really shocked us for some times. But, you know, feeling in a UK, starting up university uh, and then starting up a new life is very enjoyable and is a very great. Yeah, how, did, how long was it before like coming into the UK and having to settle down before you began your studies? So we came on August 24th of August, and then um, for a few days, 12 days, we were in a Quentin hotel, and then we moved to another bridging hotel in central London, and then from uh, on 20th, 20th of September, my studies started. So then from there, I was coming all the way in, uh, until the uh, 17th of December, uh, three days a week, I was coming uh, from London to Brighton uh, every day. Uh, so, and then was catching up my studies and my lectures and was going back to London. And so finally, on 11, uh, 17th of December, we came to Brighton and uh, got our accommodation in our own house. So we're here in the, in the house. So it was less than a month of you 
evacuating to the UK and then starting your studies and doing all the upheaval of like going from London to Brighton with the commuting, how did that feel like such an abrupt change and having to deal with so much? It was, it was, uh, Kerry, honestly speaking, I think it, it's, it's a good, good way to, to let the people know, the listener know. It, it happened two, three times to me in the first semester that I may quit. I may, let's, let's write an email to university and say, quit, I cannot do it. It was difficult. It was difficult both mentally uh, to tell yourself what happened. Uh, because I said law and political science back in the country. I understand the politics of the country, but I cannot figure it out how it happened, why it happened. And then, you know, what's the news coming every day to you, uh, what's happening back in a country? And then this, the, the classes, the lectures, uh, giving more attention to lectures or the reading, the writing part was a bit difficult for me. Uh, even two, three times I, I said, let's write an email and say no to, I cannot do it. Let's pause it next year. But then there was a responsibility. It was a scholarship. It was a scholarship giving, uh, given to people of Afghanistan and uh, for their representative. I, along with others, were chosen um, out of uh, a huge number of applicants. They choose um, our application, and we made it. So it was a responsibility. You know, carrying out the responsibility was a big burden. I said, no, I cannot do that. So I said, let's, let's do it. And then um, it was a bit difficult time, honestly. The first time was a bit difficult. Yeah. And you say about that responsibility what was the weight of that responsibility because i know you i know in our original blog post you said you wanted to use your education to go back and help in afghanistan was it was it that kind of responsibility i, I just exactly. would like to know what was going exactly. on so that's what that, that kind of responsibility you are seeing out of 35 million how many of you afghans applied for it out of a huge number of applicants only 20 or 25 uh, have been picked and among five, you're also one of that. And that's a big responsibility because the scholarship is not for individual. The scholarship is for the nation. And among nation, individual is making it. And you turn out to be an ambassador of your country, an ambassador of your people. And it's a big responsibility because you promised them one year, I'll do something, I will study, study hard and will go back to country. And then whatever I have learned, I'll put them in practice to serve my nation back, my people back. That's a big responsibility. You're representing people. You have promised them that I'll do proper study. So that was that was the only responsibility was telling me that no, it's not your individual decision. It's the nation decision. You have to, you know, adjust yourself. You have to put more timing into it. Yes, it's a struggle time. It's a hard time, but you will make it. And then, yeah, that was the time I did it. But were you aware of that kind of? responsibility when you were applying for it or was it like a moment of realization when you got the scholarship and then coming here no i think it, it was more uh, so it was i knew it the scholarship is for the country i knew it that it's a valuable and it's it's a for the nation but not that much you know when the collapse happened i felt that okay what happened to my people it is because of lack of education either it be at the level of the leaders, either it be at the level of the down, but it's a lack of education. We are facing it. We cannot decide properly, nicely for our people, for our country. It is we choose always the wrong way of faith, the violence way of faith. And had we been more educated, we would have speak. We would have used our mind rather than using the physical force, rather than stopping other rights. So that's how you do it. That's how you learn through education. And then when you are in a such situation uh, like what happened in Afghanistan, the collapse, and I was, 
in such situation, I come to know that yes, yes, that's all on, only and only because of lack of education. And when person like me and others who got opportunity to study in the top-notch universities of UK, so why should not use that opportunity very nicely to, to, to uh, you know, change the future of your country, to change the future perception, the mentality of your people. The no, 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 physical uh, violence is not the way. It never will be the way, never was the way. The only way is, is to sit together, to talk to, with each other and convince each other. 100%. I guess the, the question is, how are you finding life in the UK now? Like, you f- do you feel like you've settled well? Are there some things you don't quite understand about UK culture? I'm just interested. <laughs> uh, I find it very well. Very well. Firstly, is, I, want, I don't want to be selfish, but first the starting is I started my university. You know, the dream of mine was to do the university in my master, which I did. I started. More importantly, my, my, my girls have started the schooling. You know, what you see the news back in a country is they stop schools uh, for girls. On the other side, you see you're in a, in, a, in a country where schools for girls is, is always open and their rights are always observed. So that's a beautiful thing. So they're going to school. My wife has started learning English. And then uh, we're settling down. We have a house. We have uh, yeah, everyone sitting together enjoying the life. But yes, there are a few things from news coming back from the country. It's a bit disturbing, but we are coping with it. And then hopefully uh, things will turn out to a positive side of it. Is the plan to go back to Amdiskan as soon as your studies have finished and you feel equipped to go back? Or do you feel like you've settled in the... I mean, I know it's a very short space of time to yeah. have make that kind of decision, but I'm interested. And I think uh, for time being, I think it's not the right time to uh, see what's happening back in Afghanistan. You know, you see, and they're not letting girls go to school. They're not letting the women bureaucrats to go to offices. Um, unemployment is it a huge of it. You see what's happening. 97% poverty rate is in a country. Unemployment is at the top. So you uh, said all the things you decide to go by. It's not an option. And then uh, what I, my plan is once I'm done with my master, I want to uh, start my PhD and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll get some opportunity somewhere in uh, other universities, maybe my own university here as well, uh, Sussex, uh, to continue my PhD and then uh, explore more on the governance side of it, the development side of it, and then uh, the challenging part of Afghanistan is facing through. Uh, so study a bit more of it and do more research of it. Uh, so that was the, the current plan. I mean, sounds like very well thought out. I've like, I, I cannot think of having a plan like that in my head. <laughs> Have you found much of a community where you can talk about your experience? Because I, I can imagine one of the worst things is not only to go through that, but also feel like you're the only person that you know going through that. What's that been like? Yeah, I'm, I'm in touch with other Afghans as well. You know, I think that that's not only me. I think it's a shocking situation for everyone. Carry, uh, the new generation of Afghans are educated Afghans. Uh, they, they have gone through schools, they have gone through universities, they have gone through various degrees. And in such situation, it is shocking for anyone because um, you see after 20 years of development, democracy, uh, certain values have been set up, certain principles have been set up, and all of them are suddenly vanished, have been suddenly destroyed. And then, then, so it, it's a shocking situation. I believe for any Afghans, it's a very shocking situation. Either he or she be in any situation or anywhere 
it is a struggle. I can imagine. How are you feeling, I guess, in general? I guess from my point, the way how you're communicating it so articulately and so clearly, like, it just seems very easy for you to talk about it. Oh, so personally, I think, uh, Kelly, we have to struggle. If we don't struggle, if we don't find the answer for a few of our questions, we will be lost. So that's, you know, and we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose ourselves somewhere in between. The good point part is, is the things that you know is work on it. And that the thing that you know is educate yourself. Work on education. Enable yourself for a future. Enable your children. Enable your brothers and sisters, your siblings. And give them the message of education. Until a few years time, the situation will be better. So you will have educated people, educated Afghans who will go back in a country and will contribute to society. If you stack up yourself and say, no, what happened, what happened, and then 24-7 bring up this question, and then you don't do anything, anything productive here in this society and back in for your country, then you will be in between few years' time, you'll be lost. So I believe we don't want to lose ourselves. And the message is for all Afghanis, don't lose, lose yourself. Invest in yourself through education. And the goes to investment is education. And enable yourself and do contribution the moment as far as you are living here to this community in the UK. And then when the time right times comes, your contribution back to your country. Amazing. Well, th- those were all of my questions. It's been amazing to hear your story and your really invaluable insight. Is there anything else that you would like to tell people who are listening? Maybe people who might be feeling who might be feeling lost about education and they might feel overwhelmed. What What would you like to say to those people? I think, uh, Kerry, my message would be uh, imagine a life without education and then imagine a life with education. I'm sure they will find more beautiful a life with education. So the simple part, part is you need to do the balance and you see a life with education, how it is, and a life without education, how problematic it is. You know, more importantly, I give this message to, to a huge number of people and then my friends that no matter if you do a master or PhD and you turn out to be jobless, no matter, that's not important. The part is somebody asks your children, what is the, you know, the level of your father's education? He and she will proudly say that he, he is or she is a PhD holder. My mom is a PhD holder. My dad is a PhD holder. My mom and dad, they are having certain level of education. So at least do something that, you know, not you, but future generation proud of you. But I, and I'm 100% sure through education, you will find a way of it. So you, we will find it. And then lastly, Kerry, I just want to give message to, uh, to, the, to the people, uh, to the governments uh, and to the uh, NGOs, humanitarian, that about Afghanistan, that please, please look at the people of Afghanistan. We're talking about 97% of the people who are under poverty. Look at them. Don't look at the people who are there. Look at the people who needs humanitarian assistance, who are in a big crisis of, you know, humanitarian crisis they are in. It's been 107, 207 days that girls are stopped from schooling, from secondary schooling. And the girls, last few years, it shows that there's a Concord entry exam in the universities in Afghanistan. They, the girls were the topper in that. So that means we have top-notch mind and they stopped that so please kindly look at that people. They need humanitarian assistance. They need education. They need your hands to give them on such a difficult time. And the people of Afghanistan, they will not 
forget your kindness in your support. They will always remember it. That's such a beautiful way to end this episode. Naima, thank you so much for talking with us today. Where can people get to know you and your story through the through the internet, the World Wide Web? I have written uh, one of my blogs with the HEPI. If you Google it, uh, you will find a few articles I have written about education. And then there are a few uh, interviews I did with BBC and Guardian and Sky, uh, which was happening back in Afghanistan, the situation and how I made it through. So if you just give it one or two more minutes and then Google it, uh, I'm sure you will find the right one. But HEPI, Higher Education, um, Higher Education Institute, um, what was the blog that I have written? And then it's about, you know, how I come to and what I mean for education and how the life is too. So that will be the right one. Amazing. Thank you so much and take care. Thank you very much, Kerry. Have a lovely day. You too. Thank you for listening to today's episode. If you were moved as much as we were by Name It Story and want to support people in Afghanistan, we recommend you go to afghanaid.org.uk that is A-F-G-H-A-N-A-I-D dot org dot U-K. They are supporting families who have lost their homes and livelihoods as a result of the conflict and helping their communities. If you want to learn more about the Chevening Scholarship, go to chevening.org slash scholarships. That's spelt C-H-E-V-E-N-I-N-G. Take care.